You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Other Dog Podcast. The guest speaker today, uh, Kent Wilson, analytic guru, one of the co-founder or one of the founders, founding fathers of of analytics and at least on social media. I know you introduced me to this guy and fucking since since following him, love his breakdowns. Pretty much agree with almost everything. His analysis is always on par, always spot on, and he's just a really nice dude. Um, anything else you want to say? about Kent Wilson before we start the interview. No, he's just always got a good, he's like, I think he would be like, um, we share a lot of the same takes if I wasn't like super crazy and negative. Like if I was reeled back into reality a little yeah. bit. And if you were so crazy emotional, rants, yeah. if you were just emotional <laughs> fanboying all the time. That's right. Yeah. But this guy could probably should have a job on an NHL somewhere in the league he used to write for the flames he used to cover the flames for the athletic and it's not been near the same a lot of good writers at the athletic but it's not been near the same analysis and also he's from here so he has that personal connection to the team and knows the team inside and out so yeah he's yeah his twitter threads are usually the first place i go for any flames news yeah, if you do not follow, if you're on Twitter and you don't follow him, make sure you follow him. Enjoy the interview with Kent Wilson. Okay, Michael, you want to kick it off or what? Sure. I mean, we want to kind of talk about last season first, I think, right? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Last season, what were your, I mean, we had you on before last season started. And at that at that point, I think the biggest conversation was, anticipating a season under Daryl Sutter, what could we anticipate? And um, we had a fantastic season, as I know you're aware of. But what were your thoughts on last season now that it's over? And um, can how much of the season's success would you say Daryl is, like, directly responsible for? And can he continue to build on that? Last season was a massive revival for this franchise, right? I mean, if they'd gotten past the second round, it would have been – you know, red mile yeah. all over again. Mm-hmm. Even if they didn't go further than that, it's it's too bad they kind of wilted uh, against Edmonton. But yeah, a lot of it is Daryl Sutter. He changed the entire tenure tenor of this team. I mean, before he arrived and the coaches that they had up until then, it was extremely frustrating to be a fan here. I'm sure yep. you guys know that because yep. you'd see the roster and you'd see them play every so often. You'd go, they got they're, they're better than this. They're definitely better than this, but they just couldn't get over the hump. So uh, see him arrive, see, you know, the underlying numbers turn around. I mean, the other thing is, is 
they also had one of those unicorn seasons where everyone's healthy. A bunch yeah. of guys at the top end of the roster all have career seasons all at the same time. And it, it, I think the uh, the Gaudreau line shot 13% at even strength, which is lunacy. I, I don't think I've ever seen that since I started writing about the team. So, you know, a lot went right. Plus, they had a great coach and everyone was pulling in the same direction. It's too bad it ended early, uh, relatively early. But um, it was it was a huge renewal for everyone here because we've been, you know, <laughs> wandering the desert for a lot of years. One thing about Daryl we keep hearing, and I think you even mentioned this too, he's got an ability to extract the most out of his players. Yeah. Now, the this other side of that is, is that a long-term recipe for success? Um, how many years can you do that before before guys start tuning you out? I'm curious, do you think he will continue to build on what, what he put down last season? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we're not, we're only into season, what, two and a half, basically here. Um, the message seems to have sunk in. The, yeah. the team played extremely well. Uh, for most of the year last year, you didn't see any signs of real fatigue. Uh, plus they've, they've, change things right so we'll i i guess we'll see how uh the new initiates uh, <laughs> take to the setter system but i don't he's, he's never really had any major problems with that so uh yeah i don't think we're anywhere close to to exhaustion here sweet so okay you touched on it edmonton in if you're breaking the, that series down what went wrong uh, how, how did we <clears throat> I'd say three things. So, <clears throat> excuse me. The first was, <clears throat> there we go. The first was goaltending, obviously. Mark Strand came in off of actually a really good uh, first round performance yeah. um, and was was awful, flat out bad. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's tough to overcome goaltending that bad. But you also saw... Uh, the other thing that uh, surprised me was Sutter went into the series not really matching. Right. Um, and the Flames, as they were constructed last year, didn't have to match heavily against a lot of teams, but against the Edmonton Oilers, you do. You cannot yeah. let um, the other team. Woodcroft was happy to take um, mismatches with his you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid line, and that's a cheat code, right? So. Yeah. Um, so they beat up the Flames. Uh, he he actually changed that as they went along. They reformed the the backline line. You started to see them get a lot more of McDavid. Uh, but the other thing you saw was the top line um, really struggled. I thought in the second round, um, yeah. I thought Gaudreau was probably the best of the three. Lindholm was okay. I didn't like Matthew Kachuk in the second round at all. I wondered if he was injured at that point. He was pretty ineffective, uh, which is which isn't great. So when you have the top of their roster outplaying the top of your roster um, and them getting mismatches every so often. And then your goalie, your number one goalie playing quite frankly, awful. Um, it's, it's surprising. It went five games, honestly. Well, that first one was pretty wild. I was there. Yeah. Oh, you got your money's worth. That's a good yeah. That's that a good was fun. Game, that game was fun. two was pretty fun too when Michael Stone <laughs> Michael Stone was just blasting like everything he got. Was that in game two? Yeah. Oh man, that was fun. Yeah. Um you, you so touched on one one more on the on the playoffs, Michael. Um you touched on Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Um 
obviously they've been a center of conversation along with Sean Monahan from a playoff conversation with this team in the media for since they've been here. Yeah. I don't know. This whole offseason, we're going to get to it, but is there any part of you that is maybe feeling or thinking that could this be a blessing in disguise, losing these two guys? Because um, up until now, I mean, Johnny Gaudreau had never gotten over that playoff hump, and then he kind of just disappeared against Edmonton. And we all, I agree, Matthew Kachuk wasn't very good at all in that series. Even in Dallas, he took a while to show up. Just before we get into the the offseason acquisitions, what do you think about losing those guys? I know they put up massive regular season numbers, but from a playoff perspective, is it a different conversation? I don't know. It's really hard to put a lot of stock into what happens in the playoffs because it's it's a very small segment of time. Uh, it's non-representative. Uh, things can go well. It's funny because I've looked at sort of the Goudreau and Monaghan duo over the years. And there were some years where they had the best underlying numbers on the team and pucks just didn't go in for a couple of games and they lost or, you know, Brian Elliott let in every <laughs> shot <laughs> that went towards the net for a game, that type of thing. So they had a couple of years where they were definitely the best players on the team, but pucks didn't go in. I think they had some of the best numbers against Colorado, even though, you know, everyone was run over as if it was a Mack truck that one year, in yeah. year round one, but they definitely had some of the best numbers anyways. Uh, but they've also had a couple of years where they weren't the best. So it was, you know, round two against Edmonton a couple other times. Um, they were definitely not up to it. So uh, the problem with the playoffs is it's 50% coaching and roster construction and 50% people getting hot at the right time. And it, <laughs> the, the flames have seen that once in the last several decades when they you know, caught lightning in a bottle um, <laughs> in 2004 and then it never happened again. So um Goudreau's the sort of talent where if he catches fire, it, it could happen in the playoffs, and I, I still think he's that caliber of player. Matthew Kachuk maybe just has to mature a little bit, and I think he's always playing injured half the time in the in the playoffs too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll see uh, you know, what's what's Huberto like in, in the postseason. I don't know. Is he uh, is he a performer? Is, is that a thing? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean so much changes off season kind of the question everybody's banding about is like, are they better? Or are they worse? I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I think yeah, maybe more precisely is what's going to be different in terms of on ice results. Like how, how does Hubert, like what do the new guys bring that the old guys perhaps didn't? Right. What's your kind of take on that? It's really tough because, you know, when you have, arguably the best first line in hockey, at least in the regular season, mm -hmm. and two of them leave. <laughs> say, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they got two very good players. Otherwise, you know, Huberto had as many points as Gaudreau did. And, you know, Kadri had a, a career season. I don't think we're going to see that again, but has been a very capable two-way top six forward for years. So a Uyghur is kind of a, a – a dark horse addition to that because he is a secretly elite defenseman. So you take the blue line they had last year, which was quite capable, and you take out Goodbranson and you put in Uyghur. That's a massive upgrade. Yeah. So how does that impact the team? And the other thing is, is as I discussed, they shot the lights out last year and they were healthy the whole season. So I think the team, even if they kept the band together, was going to take a step back just out of randomness. And of course, you know, it was – 
you know, they're not going to shoot 13% and everyone's not going to be healthy, but under uh, fundamentally, they seem to be at least as good on paper this year. Yeah. And I mean, it all, it's all taking place with inside of Daryl Sutter system. So it seems like, I don't know, it's not going to be like wildly variant. Exactly. Um, on Uyghur, what do you, we, we all kind of know he's like, like you said, secretly elite, like he is crazy good player from all of his underlying metrics. Um, what do you think he's going to bring that, you know, maybe like you said, he's, if he's swapping out for Gabranson, how is he really going to, what areas is he really going to help this team in? From what I've seen, I mean, I haven't gotten to watch Weaver play too much just because he's been on the other side of the, yeah. of the, the country for so Same. long, or the continent, I should say. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like he is a great transition defenseman, and he's great at defending uh, the blue line, which are huge um, in the modern NHL, where transition yeah. and managing the neutral zone is is absolutely massive. So, good Branson was a a vastly different kind of player, obviously. Um, not as good as he, at either of those things. Nice to have in the corners, nice to have in front of the net, and nice if you need somebody to beat somebody else up, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Uh, Uyghur's not that. The, the one weakness I've heard about Uyghur is he's not the greatest skater. That's the only <laughs> sort of downside I've heard of, on him. But otherwise, yeah, if you look at his at what he does on the ice, he does almost everything, everything efficiently or better. Right? He's He's just good at everything. Where did you slot him? Do you think? Like, I'm trying to figure out the D pairings oh, right tough. now. Yeah, I mean, it 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 would be easy probably to look at the Hannafin Anderson combination and be like, well, maybe they struggled in the playoffs. Maybe I don't know. It, it it's probably easiest to stick him with Tanev, but then drop Shillington. I don't know where that leaves Shillington and Zadorov if they're a good match. It's kind of right. hard to parse out where everybody's going to fit. It's definitely tough because the top four of the Flames last year was very capable yet Anifin and and Anderson kind of come together and both had career best seasons and then Shillington really seemed to fit with Tanev um seemed to you know catapult him into being a NHL regular so but you don't want Uyghur playing on on a third pairing he's he's too good for that you want him playing as much as possible Mm so and maybe it'll be and we know that Uyghur can play both sides Uh, I've heard that in the scouting report so um, that gives you extra options, but it makes it slightly more complicated when you're, you're writing stuff down in the preseason here. Like, what is this roster? So <laughs> I think uh, we're going to see Sutter just experiment for probably in the preseason and maybe even for the first 20 games just to see, you know, what's the best chemistry, what's the best fit. Yeah, it might be uh, difficult to answer this because we haven't really seen him play much. But, you know, you're talking about matchups against the Oilers and McDavid more precisely. I think, yeah, when when Backlund started matching up, I thought Backlund was probably our best forward in that series when it was all said Easy. and done. Yeah. Um, and but then I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, sure, we got we got Backlund can maybe slow them down a bit, but we didn't really have a shutdown defenseman or any defenseman that was utilized as such last year. Maybe right. Tanev fits that bill, but do you think Weir is a potential guy that might be a solution for those assholes up north? <laughs> yeah, so what you might see is is Uyghur and Tanev, right, as as a pairing who get, you know, heavy doses of defensive zone draws, lots of um hard minutes against the other team's best teams. That might be the formula there. And then you you pair them up with maybe a backland or a cadre 
uh, up front and, and see if you can slow him down. And it's, it's a tough assignment. I mean, McDavid is who he is. He's an yeah. elemental sort of hockey player. And as you say, you're, you're probably not going to stop him all the time. You just need to slow him down as much as possible. And then hopefully if you have better depth that can win the day. Well, let's have a conversation about the center depth because yeah, on paper, it's a bit of a toss up. I think most people are agreeing that we're probably slightly better on paper than we were last season, which Absolutely. is pretty remark pretty remarkable considering the, the chain of events, right? Mm-hmm. But the biggest difference I think we're going to see in this team is the center depth and the slotting that we haven't actually seen. I don't know how long it's been, decades. But you have a legitimate one, two, three now. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on how valuable this is going to be for this season? Well, as you say, it's uh, it's it's pretty new for Calgary. They've been trying to move Backlund down the rotation for a long time, and just nobody's been able to do it. Yeah, right. He's he always just pops back up because he, too, he's he's not a great offensive player. Let's be let's be frank. He's adequate at best, um, but he's just too good at at doing what he does. Right. So when you can't when you have other players who can't take those heavy minutes against. Um, the other team's best, and he moves up the rotation as a, you know, he, he just has to. So, yeah, Kadri's good two-way, Backham's good two-way. So that gives Sutter all sorts of new options, right? He can yeah. really shelter that top line if he wants to. He can give them, you know, 60 70% zone starts if, if that's what he wants to go with. Um, and then it gives you that sort of one-two punch so you don't have to exhaust one matchup, especially on the road. Because you can you can match up you can hard match on home ice, but once you get on the road, that gets a lot trickier, right? Especially Woodcroft loved exploiting that in the second yeah. round, and the Flames are like, okay, well, what do we do here? So you no longer have a super weak spot on the back end, I don't think, and you no longer have a super weak spot up front aside from that uh, fourth line, which I hope will be managed adequately. Let Let's put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it it is nice to have three full lines that can hold their own. Let's put it that way. Well, we'll get into the fourth line thing, but I'm just curious, like tactically, like, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, like what would be the play for the top nine in terms of how you're rolling those out? Like, do you try to recreate, do you try to figure out how to recreate what the Kachuk Gaudreau Lynn home line was doing last year? And I think specifically for me, where does, where does Andrew Mangiapane fit into the rotation for you? Right. Well, we talked about the secret superstar that's weaker on the back end. Manjapani's that up front. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, he's good at everything too. And he's, uh, I look at his numbers every so often. Like the other day, I looked at PK numbers because we're talking about fourth line players and Eakin and, you know, he, he kills penalties. And I looked at Manjapani's stuff and um, I looked at um, expected goal ratio on the PK just as a, you usually don't look at that. You only look at defensive numbers, but I, mm. I looked at the, the two-way things. And Manjapani had the best, the third best ratio last year amongst regular penalty killing forwards in the league at, oh. on the penalty kill. Like, it, <laughs> So I think he should be on the top line. If they're going to be a power top line, if they want to do damage. And he's never played with a passer like Huberto before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huberto's a legit uh, puck distributor, just like Gaudreau. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens with Manjapani if he gets 
moved up the rotation, put on a first power play and put on a first line like that because um, I I looked at his goal scoring too at even strength over the last three years, and I think he was in the top 12 in yeah. the NHL. And I'm talking there was Stamkos, Ovechkin, and some of the best goal scorers in the league there at even strength. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be – if he lands on that top line, then it'll be interesting to see how everything else sorts out. You got Backlund Coleman probably as a third third line duo – Kadri, who does he match up with on the second line? Uh, Dubé, is he up there? So mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see who, if any of the kids make the, the roster um, out of training camp. But, yeah. What about uh, Toffoli? He seems to be a kind of guy that everybody keeps forgetting right. is even on his <laughs> roster. <laughs> yeah. Well, it really depends on if he – can rebound from what he was last year. I liked his first five to ten games, and after that, I didn't like him at all. I thought no. he was miserable, especially even strength. He was um, very slow. He looked out of breath all the time. Maybe yeah. it was a conditioning thing. Um, yeah, he looked miserable. Um, so if 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 he's that again, then mm-hmm. I don't know where to slot to fully, quite honestly. But if he's not, if because he has a long history of being an effective even strength player. And he is a goal scorer when he when he, yeah. you know, get into the <laughs> offensive zone uh, effectively. So it would be interesting to see him with with Huberto potentially, but also Cadre is a good puck distributor as well. So that that could be that second line um, duo there. Well, I think we have to talk about this. We have to have a discussion on this fourth line or whatever you want to call it. I mean, yeah. the play, they have this history of doing this, right? Like whether it's getting guys like Reader and Ronaldo or Nordstrom. And, yeah, going back in further, right? And then there's like Nordstrom and Brett Ritchie and uh, Pitlick and um, Trevor Lewis. Richardson. Richardson, the the infinity gauntlet of fourth liners. Like, <laughs> well, I just like any, like, you know, like I, I kind of understood it after I, like I, Trevor Lewis made some really great plays in the playoffs for sure, but I just help help me understand why why they want you know why are they paying Kevin Rooney like one point three million or whatever and like why is Cody Eakin getting a PTO like is it just strictly for competition on the roster do these guys bring what do these guys bring in a fourth line role help me I don't, I don't you know I've I've sort of been ragging on this for years and um, it does drive me a little crazy I'm going to write something on this in the, in the next little while. Just because it's it's a topic that keeps coming up, especially in this market, just because they keep making bad fourth lines on purpose. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. I mean, it, it's it's one thing to have one or two reputational vets around because they're good in the room, they're easy to coach. You can trust them in certain circumstances. Mm. I get that, um, but yeah, Kevin Rooney, two years, one point three million dollars. Who are you outbidding? For Kevin Rooney, why are you paying that much for a sub replacement player? If you look at his entire history, it's it's just there's. I think there was one season where he was a positive impact in terms of, you know, Gar Spar, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, he's sub replacement. Otherwise, I mean you, that that means quite literally you can get a better player for free on the open market at league minimum, and they do this a lot. You're right. So why do they do it? I don't know. They seem to want to make sure that kids have to leapfrog over guys, but that's, 
it's fundamentally difficult to do when you have a certain amount of contracts, a certain cap allocation, mm-hmm. waiver eligibilities. You start to stack hurdles in front of kids. Where And then last year, nobody got hurt. Yeah. So we didn't get to see most of the kids aside from Ruzichka now and then. And uh, so you don't even get an idea if these kids um, have it in them to be in NHL. So Matthew Phillips is now sort of withering on the vine, even though he's been easily their best overall forward for two-year seasons running. And he is now waiver eligible this year. So it's uh, if he doesn't make the team, maybe he gets claimed like Paul Byron. You know? And then oh. you've, developed a, you've developed a kid for a long period of time, had him become easily your best AHL forward, and then you lose him for nothing because you have Kevin Rooney I don't doing no upside whatsoever. That he's not going to be better than what you paid him. So yeah, I, I'm probably going to have something on this at some point. A lot of teams do this. It is a complete. I mean, this is not just the Flames, but it does drive me crazy. Is it part of the Brian Burke playbook? Is that where the... it's it's old? I mean, it's pretty old school, and it's not uncommon. As I said, a lot of teams, yeah. you know pick guys not for their impact but because they tick certain boxes so maybe it's they have to be a certain size or they have to be good at face-offs or maybe they're a pk guy but none of that brings very much value um i'd much rather roll the dice and to see if there's upside um beyond any of that right speaking of withering on the vine what what's going to happen with you so and i mean we it's you're counting the defensemen we have, Michael. That oh, like yeah. one-way deals is getting up there. What's good? What and are they're definitely going all... we... to sign Stone, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do with all these defensemen? And what does the future hold for Bell Mackey? Uh, if I had to place a bet, he'll be claimed on waivers. Wow, that's probably gonna sad. Happen. Um, and it's not all the the organization's fault, honestly. That that's a player who's taken significant steps backwards uh, during his development. I don't think it, it may not be the player's fault either. I mean, he's, he's battled significant injuries, you know, more yeah. than once at yeah. key parts of his development. And yeah. I don't know if he can skate well enough at mm-hmm. the NHL level uh, anymore. And I looked at his numbers um, and his results in the AHL last year, and they were not good. Yeah. I'm talking underlying numbers in terms of, you know, goal ratio and even strength and driving play and it's just he was one of the worst players on the Stockton blue line so it's not impossible that he turns it around because this is a legitimately talented kid I mean he was one of the best skaters in the Finnish elite league that period it looked like he was just going to come to the NHL and dominate or at least become a legit uh, player and it's it just hasn't played out like that for him yeah, golden helmet. Remember that? We were stoked watching yeah. him with that golden helmet. We were like, oh, he's going to win rookie of the year. Point per game player. And he was As great. A well, he, year old or and he he looked so good when he came in that Colorado series in 1819. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, I mean, he has legit skill. He's really smart, but he seems to, he's struggling with confidence at this point, and he's really struggling with the pace of the game. And he's gotten worse at that, at that piece. What can you tell us about uh, Jacob Peltier? I mean, you touched on Phillips. I mean, a lot of people have Peltier penciled in to make their roster this year. Um, I don't know if he's quite there yet, but I haven't looked at, at much of the underlyings. Do you, What can you tell us about him? I think it's possible. 
Um, I'm sure the organization really likes him. He had a fantastic rookie season. Uh, was easily one of their best forwards. I looked at his underlying numbers, both his last season of junior and in the AHL, and his teams dominated both of those seasons with him on the ice. I think 60 to 70% even strength goal ratio. That's bonkers, right? So, um, and he's, apparently he's really smart. He's very coachable. He plays at high intensity. Um, That's everything Sutter's going to want. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he's the type of guy who who could come into camp, have a really good camp, and enforce their hand. He plays with a bit of an edge too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one pet peeve of mine that I just got to ask you about is the power play and of ours. <laughs> I I don't know why because when the percentages always seem to be way higher yeah. than I expect. Um. Well, it's key goals though at key times it doesn't seem to be able to get the job done yeah i don't know why i'm always frustrated with the power play that's (sighs) it seems to be why i don't know if that's just a myth or if it is in reality um we were kind of warned i remember when they hired kirk muller all the habs fans were like oh that you're gonna hate the power play and it's kind of (laughs) yes that's come true um how do you see specifically Uyghur? i'm kind of thinking like what who do you see kind of quarterbacking that power play? Is it going to be Rasmus Anderson? Is it going to be Mackenzie Weger? And is there an upside to either one of them? Because I don't know. I I, I like Erasmus, and you know I see he has a lot of skill. He's a good distributor, but I just I never really found him super dangerous on the power play for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Yeah, Rasmus Anderson really leaves you wanting um, offensively. I think he still got 50 points last year, which is yeah, a pretty yeah. good season for a defender, but. He always looks like a guy who's who could put together a little bit more, being a, be a little bit more aggressive, shoot a little bit more, get it through. Mm. Yeah, there's there's games too where he comes in and he'll skate through people and rifle something in the top corner. Like, please keep doing that, <laughs> and it just dis- it disappears for twenty games, right? So, yeah. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or if he's concentrating more on on the other end of the ice. Um, but yeah, I I think Anderson is the guy who could be the the, the quarterback if he would just take that modest next step forward because he was a scorer in junior too i mean there's yeah. there's definitely something there right so it could be weaker I, I, like i said i i haven't watched him play enough to say you know he, he scored i think over 40 points last year pretty good don't know if he's a power play quarterback hannafin certainly isn't yeah um no. He's fine. You know, Hannafin does a lot well, but he he does not have a killer instinct, doesn't have a great shot. Yeah, that's a good way uh, to put it. Kind of blends into the background a lot yeah. um, on a power play. So um, Shillington, people seem to call for him a lot. I think he's more of a second unit power play guy, if anything. Um, great skater, obviously. Um, and does have, every so often you see him cut in from the, from the corner of the sideboards, top of the circle, and put something in, but not all the time, so. Yeah, that's the, the one thing that I noticed with the Masters. They became sort of tentative with the second unit. They went away from four and one. They did a three and two, mm. so three forwards, two defensemen, because um, they didn't want to get caught with that unit out. And then the guy comes out of the box, and you know you got you don't have enough defensemen, and there's a two on one or something. So they got a little antsy about that. Um, they kind of short circuited the, the second power play unit. It's pretty lousy all year. But yeah. plus, they put Lucic on it a bunch of times and it's like, it's time to retire Milan Lucic from a power play. 
He's a big guy. He scored 30 goals once, I think. So, but he is not that guy anymore. Please stop doing that. So we'll see. Yep. I know um, before last season, I think even maybe recently as well, you've been banging the rebuild drum. And I, uh, to the agreements of a lot of people, um, and then when the when the Gaudreau domino falls, now everybody's going, yeah, okay. And then the Kachuk domino falls, and now Bradtree Living pulls how Rabbit many rabbits? How many? More than one. <laughs> yeah. So given that whole kind of timeline of that perspective, I mean, obviously you're probably still in the back of your mind, you know, thinking – maybe should have been done already, but how much does this off season change that perspective for you? Do you think these guys have a legitimate window in the next two, three years? Yes. So the, the rebuild has not been eliminated. It has been deferred, but yeah. for a little while, mm -hmm. they can still, you know, there's still a going concern in the West now, which is quite the magic trick to pull. You're right. Given how the start of this off season went, <laughs> <laughs> for this franchise. So kudos for True Living, because obviously he did not have um the authority to go in and start cutting it down. Right. Yeah. So yeah. he did what he could. And you know, this team, as we know, doesn't voluntarily rebuild ever. So it's it's been deferred, I think, for two or three seasons out now. And then you'll start seeing Huberto age, Backman will age out, Tana will age out, Markstrom will age out. Um, a lot of money. Cadre will start to age out, so there's there's a lot of money. So they get that. Yeah, they're they're pushing their chips all in for the next couple of years. What happens after that, we'll see. But um, at least it'll be interesting as a Flames fan for the next little while. Okay, a couple more questions here. Um, yep. If you're looking at the roster, is there anybody you could? pinpoint and predict if you had to pick one guy who might have a, a level up this season maybe not necessarily a breakout but might actually level up and then on the opposite of things anybody that you think might take a step back i think we're all hoping for dylan dubay right yep <laughs> yep it's, everyone just keeps they see the speed you know he has a really good pedigree there's something there and every so often he goes on those 10 10 game runs where it's like Dubé's arrived and then it goes away. You're like, nope. <laughs> so uh, I, I, his underlying numbers are, are good. They're not great. Um, he's always played in the support role. He's still suspect somewhat defensively, but you know, he scores almost at a top six rate over the last three seasons, even with the, the dry spells and the frustrating sort of dips. Yeah. Can, can Dubé come in? I think we're all kind of we were all kind of hoping for another top six forward to to happen. I don't think that's in the cards now in the off season. So if he can take that next step, yeah. it answers a lot of questions. That would be huge. Yeah. yeah. Step backwards. Oof. Well, only Cheech. Hello. Evan <laughs> Rooney. I mean, he, that's already happened, right? He's the <laughs> step back is is well on its way so yeah. you know love milan lucic for what he does but he is he is what he is at this point so um tanev like at some point does he start breaking down because that guy has a lot of hard miles um he had a rough playoffs but he had a rough playoffs because he was badly hurt again yeah. when he was badly hurt yeah. the year before that it's just like he you was, start he to was, he was he heavily turned 
Right. And yeah, they'll, they'll go after him. Right. So very effective player when he is healthy, but you know, as you start getting into your early mid thirties, you know, you start to wonder, is the mobility going to be there? Can he continue to play at a high level? We'll see. Michael Backlund, obviously he's getting into that age too, but he always starts in October and November and you think, okay, well, Backlund's finally, you know, finally getting old, finally starting to, yeah, to tailor yeah. up. And then, you know, December, January, he's the best player on the team. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. He fooled second, me again. Second, right? half, second half, half Backlund. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those are the two guys. Toffoli, I'm hoping, is is the first thing and not the second thing. Yeah, yeah. He should be a rebound candidate. Um, but he's – the way he played, is it the start of the decline is the question, right? So does he rebound or is he James Neal? No, <laughs> don't so, say it. Sorry, yeah. But, you know, Neal was only like 31 or 32 when they, mm-hmm. when they signed him, right? So, um, yeah, he could go either way. So let's you say see, that... you saw he got a PTO in Columbus, eh? The reunion. What are they thinking? They're thinking Johnny Gaudreau. They saw that one feed Johnny Gaudreau gave him in like that game against Colorado, and they're like, "There we go." I think my last question is: um, There's a whole bunch of storylines, like a whole bunch, going into this season. Yeah. Which one do you gravitate to that you're most excited about, or you more most intrigued by? whether it's a single player or a potential line combo or which one are you most excited to see unfold? Hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's so many things to, to look at. It's, it's both bad and good. So can the team be one of the best in the West again? Um, I think, perhaps the most interesting will be that matchup with Edmonton, quite honestly, Mm -hmm. because they did get better in the off season. And after that's, you know, humiliating loss, frankly, to them in the second round, um, the team should have it up or under its saddle to, to rectify that. And Sutter has always been about beating your rivals, especially on home ice. But in general, when he arrived, he made sure back in 2004, you guys have to go out and beat Edmonton. Like if you don't do anything else, beat those guys up there. That's that's your biggest rival. So you can imagine he's spent the summer stewing over that. So it will be fascinating to see if we can have a legit Battle of Alberta this year. Cool. I think that, yeah, because that's what we were left frustrated with. It was just like, man, not only did we get embarrassed, but it was like Sportsnet is like freaking loving it. And then Ron McLean's <laughs> like, oh, Oilers. Oh, it's just the worst. Ugh. Right. That's the fun of a rivalry, though, because you have to risk the humiliation to have the yeah. <laughs> the other end of it, right? So if yes. we'd won in five games, it would have been fantastic. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> All right, man. Well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I'm done. You good, Jordan? Yeah. Beauty. Appreciate so the time. You're always on Twitter. We always appreciate your killer Twitter threads. Um, you said you're – are you nice. setting a sub stack? Or you have a sub stack, or you kind of re – Getting on that train I'm re- again? I'm probably going to reboot here in the next yeah. little while. It may not be at Substack, but I'll, I'll let people know. Um, people keep asking me to, to write, and I have a little bit of free time, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to promise anything because I have other stuff to do, honestly, <laughs> but I'll tell people, you know, I'll be up right up front. Like, this is going to be random. It's, if I get obsessed with something, I write about it, but otherwise, I, I don't expect everything, something every Sunday night. So if people 
don't mind that, then yeah, I'll write again. Cool. Yeah, the first thing I do when there's a bit of Flames news is like go to Kent's Twitter. I'm like, okay, I need to know how Kent is going to break this down so I know how to react to this properly. <laughs> uh, I tend to rain on parades a lot. I, it's <laughs> Honestly, it's not... My, I don't go out there and be like, all right, screw the Flames. Let's laugh at them again. But but honestly, there's been a lot of good news the last few years too. So, Yeah, and we'll just wait for Michael Stone, like you said. He'll go from, from what? Happening. From assistant coach to <laughs> coach, so all the way up to GM. GM, yeah. GM, yeah. yeah. Just one-year contract each, each year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And good for him, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's living life. All right, cool, yeah. man. Yeah. Okay, thanks, man. I really appreciate the time. That's awesome. Enjoy the season. Hey, folks. Support for the Hockey Podcast Network comes from DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook this summer. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN to make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That promo code is THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, there you have it, Kent Wilson, folks. Let's get into this Cody Eakin and uh, Michael Stone news. Everybody was kind of, I don't know. I mean, look, we thought Brad turned a new page. Maybe the rampage is officially over. He's going back to his old. He's not sticking old with habits. the new ways. Going back to old habits. Well, old dogs can't teach an old dog new tricks, apparently. But um, Cody Eakin apparently is a terrible hockey player now. <laughs> I, I remember Matt. He was good for Vegas in their inaugural season. He I remember, yeah. He was a very effective player, and um, obviously he's fallen off a cliff. His his underlying is terrible. Maybe Daryl can turn that around if he ends up making the team. But tell us what we don't want to hear about Cody Eakin. All I remember Cody Eakin from is when Iggy beat his ass when he was in Dallas like ten years ago. Remember that fight? Iggy just he was just a kid, and Iggy just freaking. Just wrecked him. It was great. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, throw this into and this predates, like Ken said, they they've done this because everyone usually says, Oh, this is a Sutter thing. This is not a Daryl Sutter phenomenon. This is a flames phenomenon. This has been going on for a very long time where they just like for some reason fill the fourth line with like bad players on like more than league minimum deals, right? So yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess, sure, if you want to bring in Cody Egan to, like, create some competition in camp, that's fine. But, I mean, they do have cap. The problem is they do have cap room left. You know, that's burning a hole in Brad's pocket. Um, yep. Evan Rodriguez signed in Colorado today. <laughs> so, he's looking some. He's looking for somewhere to stash that cash. And um, a couple of fourth-liners seem, seem right up his alley. So, yeah, I, I don't get it. I guess he's, like probably a good guy he kind of he's he he'd be fun to have just for the memes because he's so goofy looking i guess have you seen his mullet yeah and like so hey if you want to sign a guy for a mullet that's cool the uh is this the what 20th season row now mike stone's been offered a one year about to be offered a one year contract. this has to be a good world this has to be a nhl record isn't it for like to. consecutive one year deals i guess he with the same a, team with the same team like yeah Okay, so crazy because I was thinking because I said the other day that Rasmus Anderson would have been the longest tenured flame other than Backlund, but it's Michael Stone. <laughs> He's been here since 2016. Holy fuck, that is crazy, man. That's insane. Well, we were we were throwing up potential power play options 
dude, yeah. was he not money on the power play at the end of the season? Fuck, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe he starts the season or starts training camp on the power play, PP1, see what happens. Just fucking laying Just bombs out there. Pinch hitter, man. I mean, like, I get the stone thing. The, the thing I don't get about the stone thing is, like, okay, they have, like, what, 10D under one-way deals now? Yeah. What are they, they, they going to do? What are they going to do? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you it's, think Val again, Maggie? like I think Brad is just like signing guys for memes at this point. Like that's it. That has to be what's going what's on. What's this M joy? <laughs> yeah, maybe not. He doesn't even know what a meme is. Good point. I don't know. I think stone, like he earned the way he played in the playoffs earned. Dude, this guy's earning every cent of that big minimum deal. He's going to be getting. Do you Kent thinks that Val Mackey might be lost to waivers? That's his prediction. That's well, that's if he gets crazy, sent, if he's waiver, he's waiver eligible. So if he gets sent down, oh, he has to clear waivers. Like if he doesn't make the team, he's gonna be in hard to make the team, isn't he? Well, that's why there's rumors that they're shopping him. We can't get back for him right now. Nothing. Remember, this is the guy. <laughs> We decided to not. I guess you didn't know if you could re-sign Michael Stone, so I guess. I mean, that was the whole point of having the Stone brothers together. You could have done it. Sorry, Michael. Did I get the right one? Mark. We, we have Michael Stone. Yeah. We want Mark Stone. Yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of a sad story with Val Mackey. Yeah, it is. Like that would do. That would. And you know what? Somebody else pointed this out to me the other day. The Flames since 2016, the Flames don't have. I'm going to pull this up so I don't butcher this stat. Um, They haven't had a draft pick play in their lineup for like more than like 20 games. The only guy who's played like any games who has been drafted by the team since 2016. Yeah. Valimaki. He's played 82 games total. And Rzichka has played 31, 2018. Nobody's played 2019. Nobody's played 2020, 2021. So Man, if they lose Valimaki to waivers, this is becoming like a freaking. He's the new you know? Sam Bennett. He's the new yeah. Sean Monahan. We just need to have one sad fucking sad ass Flames player story one a year, eh? Well, and that's the other thing about like we talked about with Kent, obviously, and it's a pet peeve of all of ours is the playing plugs over kids, guys. But like you have to start working some of these guys. It's like Rizichka is not a freaking spring chicken anymore, right? Like he was drafted in 2017. Get him in there, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but he did make a good point. There was no injuries last year. Yeah, but I mean, when, okay, like, remember when Rosichka was playing? Yes. And he was better than Monaghan? Yeah. Yeah. So, probably should right. have been the more often. Any other news you want to touch on? Uh, I guess Huberto was in, in, was in, in Calgary. He was in the Dome yesterday at the CMAs or something, Country Music Awards. Is that what that is? It was kind of cool. Dude, that was. Dude seems like dude seems like a freaking baller, man. Okay. Well, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Is there any other news? No. Okay, no, well, it. I think that about does that for uh for the news for the day. We've got another good guest on. I'd love to listen to the Ryan Leslie conversation. Some cool uh insights into his world and you know how it differs from just being a fan watching the game. And obviously, always appreciate hearing what Kent Wilson has to say and how he breaks things down. Hope you all enjoyed, and we will see you back soon on the next one.
cushion. The cushion is a pillow with feathers, right? Thanks for listening to this episode not brought to you by Boston Pizza. Let's uh, let's do Brad a favor here, and the next time we order Hawaiian, get some extra pineapple.